We're back, and it is good to be back. Appreciate you tuning in this morning. I am Pastor Tommy McMurtry of the Liberty Baptist Church. Hoping we can be a blessing to you today as we bring a message to you from the Word of God. And before we do that, though, I had a couple folks this week that sent me some jokes, and I got a good laugh from them. I hope you'll get a good laugh, too. And as long as they keep coming in, I'm going to keep telling them. But anyway, here we go. Here's the first one. After the fall in the Garden of Eden, Adam was walking with his sons Cain and Abel. They passed by the ruins of the Garden of Eden, and one of the boys asked, What's that? Adam replied, Boys, that's where your mother ate us out of house and home. Oh, come on, you got to admit that was a little bit creative. A little bit, but anyway, folks are hard to please these days. Let's try this one. A pastor was opening his mail one morning. Drawing a single sheet of paper from an envelope, he found written on it only one word. Fool. The next Sunday, he announced, I have known many people who have written letters and forgot to sign their names. But this week, I received a letter from someone who signed his name but had forgotten to write a letter. Okay, well, I thought that one was kind of funny. But anyway, folks are hard to please. But I think some folks were laughing there. But anyway, well, on a more serious note, we're going to go ahead and get to our message. But a trivia question I want to ask you. What did we speak on two weeks ago? If you were listening two weeks ago, what did we speak on? Of course, I can't hear you uh, give the answer. But if you said... The greatest commandment or message on loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you'd be absolutely right. Two weeks ago we spoke on that. Last week we spoke, uh, we did a Mother's Day message. But today I want to speak to you about the second greatest commandment. The second greatest commandment. The first being loving God. But what is that second greatest commandment? Because there is a second greatest or second most important or uh, second most mentioned. Of course, the greatest commandment, loving God, it's the greatest. It was the first commandment. It's also the most mentioned commandment in the Bible. But then there's the second one that is like unto it, that is mentioned quite a bit, not quite as much as loving God, but it is uh, very similar in many ways. And in Matthew chapter 22, we'll read this passage again. We read it to you a couple weeks ago, but we'll read it again. It says, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we mentioned last week how The first six commandments and the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with God. And then this next four deal, or I might have got that backwards, the first four are our relationship with God. And then the next six are our relationship with man. And that is something that is very important. And God has commanded us to love our neighbor. And you know, Jesus made, he mentioned something very interesting here. He mentioned that the second commandment, loving your neighbor, is like unto the first commandment. And when we think about that, you know, how can loving God 
and loving our neighbor be similar. You know, to me, it's easy to understand why we should love God, but boy, loving the neighbor, that sometimes can be very difficult if we're just going to be honest. And I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. I want us to talk about our neighbor right now because when we start talking about loving your neighbor, a lot of things start coming into our heads. And I'm just going to tell you what comes into my head when I think about our neighbor sometimes. But our neighbor may be the husband and wife next door that spend a lot of time screaming and cussing at each other. Or our neighbor may be the guy who leaves soda cans and Jack Daniels bottles in your yard. Or your neighbor may be the guy who siphons gas out of your van your second night that you moved into town. Or your neighbor may be a child who turns your water on and leaves it running the whole time that you're out of town. Or your neighbor may be the people who live all around your house that have at least two dogs at each house that bark all night long. They also might not have a problem with letting their dogs use your yard for a bathroom. Or your neighbor may be a businessman that rips you off. You say, why? You sound pretty heated here. You know why? Because every one of these people have been my neighbors. And I do want to mention none of these are my current neighbors. I do want to make that clear in case my neighbors are listening. They have not done anything. But... I think we all have probably had similar experiences and notice that these are the people that God has told us to love. But when we look a little deeper into this, we see in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, that's its definition for a neighbor is simply this, one of the human race. Anyone that needs our help or to whom we have an opportunity of doing good. And then in the Webster's Dictionary, it mentions Luke 10, the story of the Good Samaritan, where we see who our neighbor is. And I have to agree with that definition. I think that's a good biblical definition of a neighbor. So when we think about it that way, our neighbor may be people who are plotting the destruction of our country. Our neighbor may be cultures of people that run around naked and eat other human beings. Our neighbor may be people of, from nations that are basically atheists. Our neighbor may be people of nations that worship many gods. Or our neighbor may be of a religion that believes in killing people from our religion. You understand now, when we're talking about the human race, we can be talking about a very rough group of people. A wicked group of people. And when we start thinking about that, you have to ask yourself, why would God say that the second great commandment is like to the first great commandment? I can understand loving God very easily, but boy, loving the neighbor, let's just be honest, that can be very difficult sometimes and seems like a pretty tall order. You know, it's one thing to love the Creator. The one who gave us life. The one by whom all things consist. The one who sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross for us. But our neighbor, the one who does bad things to us. The one who drives us crazy. The one who gives us a hard time. We're supposed to love them too? And the answer is yes. And why is that? You know, and I believe that there are some things that we can look at in the Bible 
that show us why God wants us to love our neighbor and why loving our neighbor is so important. And first off, one thing that's true about your neighbor, whether it be your next door neighbor or just people that you work with, uh, it's true about anybody. But our neighbors were created for God's pleasure, not necessarily ours. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Mankind was created for God's pleasure, not your pleasure. There are some people that are going to be annoying to you, that, but understand, they were, God didn't create them for your pleasure. He created them for His pleasure. And you know, it would, I believe it would please God if He would see us treat our neighbor the way He treated us because we've sinned against God, haven't we? And yet He loved us. We've, done, we've sinned against God and He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He's shown us love. He's shown us mercy. And it would bring God great pleasure, I believe, if we would go and do good to those who've sinned against us. For us to complete the love of God in a sense where God showed that love to us and we take that same love and we pass it on to other people, that's going to please God. You know, if you just do good to those who do good to you, you're no different than the publican according to the Bible. Everyone does that. But if people are going to know that you're children of God, then you've got to do good to those who do evil to you. And that type of thing brings God pleasure. And boy, we ought to be jumping to that as Christians. And But many times think, you know, why doesn't God just you know strike these people with a bolt of lightning? You know, why doesn't God just send an earthquake or a tornado to wipe these people out? Wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that you know please God? And a lot of times we paint God as you know this vengeful God, you know, smiting everybody down and enjoying it. But you know what? The truth is, God does punish the wicked, but He gets no pleasure in it. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11 says, Say unto them as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? We do have a just God. We do have a righteous God. And there are times when He will punish the wicked There have been times in history where He has poured His wrath out on people and on cities and destroyed them. But understand, God never got any pleasure from that. It was God's desire to see those people turn from their wicked ways. And we can see an example of that in Jonah where God was going to destroy that wicked city. But you know what? Jonah went and after fighting God for a long time, he went and preached to those people. They repented. And God did not destroy that city. And God did get great pleasure in seeing them turn from their wicked ways and not punishing them even though they deserved it. God does not get pleasure in the death of the wicked. And many times I think Christian people, we're praying for God to pour His wrath out on nations or pour His wrath out maybe on our neighbor. And the truth is, God created them for His pleasure and He gets no pleasure in that. And so what we ought to do is do our best to turn them to Christ. 
James chapter 5, verse 20 says, Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So understand that when we, when we do that, when you go to someone and you give them the gospel and they turn from their ways, I mean, who knows? They might be just about to suffer God's wrath. They might be just about ready to be judged of God. And when you go and you give them the gospel and they turn from their wicked ways and God does not have to destroy them or punish them, God gets pleasure in that. And so understand that your neighbor, they are creation of God. They were created for His pleasure. And it's His pleasure to see them get saved. To see them come to Christ. And boy, we have a responsibility to make that happen with as many people as we possibly can. But understand also, your neighbors are the very people that Jesus Christ died on the cross for. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says, But when He saw the multitude, He was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith He unto His disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. I believe there are many people out there, many people in our own community that would get saved if somebody would get the gospel to them. They would turn from their wicked ways if somebody would just come to them and show them the truth. But unfortunately today, the laborers are few. And we need to understand that these people that are in our community, the people that are living wicked lives, the people who are filling up the bars instead of churches this morning, and this evening, the people who are out there that are blaspheming the name of God this morning instead of praising God in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, those people, Jesus Christ died on the cross for them and we need to do whatever we can do to bring them to Christ, to share the, share the gospel with them so they will call on the Lord for salvation. They are the people that He died for. These people... Jesus, these are the people, uh, you know, the people that Jesus had compassion on, and healed of their sicknesses that we read about in the New Testament. I believe are the same people that turned on him and placed him on an old rugged cross. You see, we can talk about all the things that people have done to us. All those examples I gave of our neighbor, those are things that actually happened to me. Our second night that we lived in Sterling, gas was siphoned from our van. It's like, wow, what a welcome into this town. But the truth is, you know, I thought if somebody would have reached that person with the gospel before, they wouldn't be stealing gas from people's cars. This is one more person that we need to reach with the gospel. When you get, when you're reading the newspaper and you read those police reports and you read the terrible stories about things that happened, think, you know, what if I would have gotten the gospel to that person? What if that person would have trusted Christ as their Savior? Think about all the sins that would not have been committed, the things that they would not have done. Maybe they would have been in church. They'd have been living for God. And we've got to understand that people are going to do things to us, but it's nothing compared to what we've done to Christ. And Jesus Christ, you know, He knew everything, and He knew that these people that He was helping were going to turn on Him. But you know what? He still helped them. He still healed them. We see in the Last Supper, he knew who was going to betray him. And yet, before that Last Supper, we see Jesus washed 
his disciples' feet. All of them. He set an example of serving them even though he knew that one of them was going to betray him. He washed Peter's feet even though he knew that Peter was going to deny him three times that night. He still did good to him. And even when Jesus was dying on the cross, he was able to say the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you say, well, you know, that was Jesus. He can show that kind of forgiveness. He can do that. But, you know, us mere mortals, we can't do that. Yet we see in the book of Acts when Stephen was being stoned, that he looked up into heaven and he prayed, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Very similar words to Jesus Christ. A, a identical attitude of Jesus Christ. I think we can have that kind of attitude too. We've got to just get over whatever's been done to us and we need to love our neighbors like, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. Aren't you glad somebody shared the gospel with you? I mean, we don't really have any problem loving ourselves, do we? But boy, loving the neighbor, that's something else. And I think the greatest way you can show your love someone is by giving them the gospel. But understand your neighbor. They're the people that the Holy Spirit is working on. And you know what? He wants our help. John chapter 20, verse 21, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. God has given us his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can work through us to help bring people to Christ. It was the Holy Spirit that drew us to Christ. He might have did that, yeah, he might have used a sermon that you heard preached or a gospel witness, somebody sharing the gospel with you, but it's the Holy Spirit that draws people to Christ, and who knows, he may be working on your neighbor. That that individual that gives you a hard time, who knows what the Holy Spirit is doing in their heart. And we need to be ready and willing to play a part in that and to share the gospel with them so we can see them get saved and come to Christ. But everyone who's ever gotten saved, they were saved because the Holy Spirit drew them. John 6.44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. You know, the same thing is true with us. God loved us first. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. God initiated love towards us. He loved us first. He showed love to us first. He died on the cross for us. He showed that love. He sent the Holy Spirit to draw us. We didn't go seeking after God. He came seeking after us. And the truth is, your neighbor might not even be looking for God right now. There's people in other parts of the world, they're not seeking after God right now, but they need a witness. They need people like us to go over to those places and share the gospel with them. And hopefully, the Holy Spirit will use us to draw them to Jesus Christ. A lot of times we think, I came to this on my own. You know, no, you didn't. The Holy Spirit drew you. And if He didn't, well, if he didn't have a part in it, then you didn't, you never really got saved. No man can come except the Father draw him. And then also, uh, we see how Jesus made that statement. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You see, our neighbors are a reminder of what we once were or what we could have been without Christ. 
First Peter 1 Peter 1.9 says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Sometimes religious people get so high and mighty and think we're so something so special and so great and we forget that had it not been for the grace of God, had it not been for the Holy Spirit coming and moving inside of our lives and, and indwelling us, that we could we're, we could be anywhere today. If it weren't for salvation, I could be sitting in a prison cell today. I could be the drunk on the bar stool this morning. That could be me. But thank God He saved my soul and He has protected me from some of those things. He's kept me from that evil. And who knows where you would be today. You have no way of knowing. Well, that's why you should just be thankful. Just be thankful. And when you see someone who is out there who isn't what they should be, just understand they're lost. They need Christ in their lives. And instead of getting mad at them and fighting with them and criticizing them, why don't you share the gospel with them? Why don't you try to be a light? Why don't you try some of the things that Jesus said to try, like bless them that curse you, you know, do good to them that hate you and despitefully use you. Why don't you try some of those things? Then we might see something different. So understand your neighbor said it's not just the person that lives next door, but it's anybody that you come in contact with or it's anybody you have the opportunity of coming in contact with. You know, Sunday night, tonight, we're going to have a missionary who's going to be coming and speaking in our service, in our 6 o'clock service. And he's getting ready to go to Cape Verde, way over in Africa. And he is leaving his family, leaving his home, to go over to a people that he really has very little in common with. But these people, one thing they he, they do have in common with him is they're sinners. And you know, the same Jesus that died for him died for them also. But the truth that but unfortunately for them, there's not a whole lot of uh, gospel witnesses in that part of the world. And he's going to go over there and take the gospel to them. He's going to show that love to them. Why? Why does he do it? Because it's a command. They're his neighbor. God told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The most loving thing you can do is take the gospel to someone. To share the message of Jesus Christ's love. And unfortunately today, we got a lot of people, Christian people included, doing an awful lot of fighting with their neighbors. An awful lot of evil going on, even amongst Christian people. And listen, you can expect it from lost people. Just expect lost people to cuss you out for no reason. Expect lost people to steal gas from your car. Expect lost people to do that type of thing. Expect them not to be kind, not to be caring. Expect that. But from a saved person, I believe God expects a few things. And I hope that you will do that. I hope that you will let your light shine. Don't hide it under a bushel. Put it on a candlestick. Let that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the second greatest commandment, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself.